begin this morning by reading Isaiah 30, uh, 21. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. So this past summer, Diane and I were able to go to the beach for three weeks for the first time ever for that long, and it was glorious. There were two things about this that were uh, different from past beach trips. Uh, number one, um, I wear contacts, and without contacts, I can't see a thing. Uh, so uh, this year, for the first time, I got prescription sunglasses. I don't know why that has never occurred to me before, but I got prescription sunglasses this year. So when we're sitting on the beach and Diane says something like, look how close that big fishing boat is, I was able to say something other than, you mean that big blob out there at some indeterminate distance? <laughs> and I could actually see. Uh, the other thing that happened is, you know, I would take walks on the beach, and I noticed this year, and this is the second thing that happened. I noticed this year, people were extraordinarily friendly. Hello, fellow citizen, how are you? People were, almost everybody I passed was acknowledging me in some way. It was remarkable to me. And a few people, after a quick acknowledgement, a few people even struck up a conversation. Hi, yes, no shells this year. Yeah, I've noticed the same thing. No shells this year. I was amazed. I thought, first of all, it must have been because I had such a remarkable suntan this summer. People, as they approached me, thought, who is that? young fellow walking down the beach, and then I realized, no, no, it's probably COVID. You know, people are just starved for human companionship, but we, we just want to speak to one another after these couple of years of being separated. And I, it was the end of the week before I realized what well, was probably the horrible truth. They've been doing that for years. I just didn't notice. So constantly, people have been passing me on the beach wanting to acknowledge me, and I've walked by like this, because I can't see a thing. They're just a blob to me, and they've walked past me thinking, who is that rude fella walking down the beach? And as I was thinking about our, our conversation this morning, I realized our relationship with God is much that way. Mine is. I think he's constantly trying to communicate himself to me through impressions, or, or insights, new learnings, or nudges of encouragement or direction. And I miss uh, many of them because my ears are plogged or clogged, or I don't have the, uh, my uh, prescription hearing aids with me constantly. I don't, and, and I put those prescription hearing aids on by establishing the right atmosphere into, in my life into which God can speak. So this morning I want us to talk about how we turn our hearing up to 2020 or whatever the hearing version of that is. How, how do we create the right atmosphere for hearing from God so that we don't miss him? We don't miss the nudges. We don't miss the impressions. We don't miss uh, the insights. I'm going to do four things today, and I want to give you this organization so you can follow along with me as we're going through this. The first thing I want to do is I want to talk about the primary interruption to our spiritual hearing. And this is consistent throughout the scriptures. The primary interruption to our spiritual hearing. Secondly, 
Uh, this is maybe especially for those of you who've been tracking with this for a long time. You've been trying to hear from God for a long time. I want to talk about a surprising truth, a, a surprising big picture truth about hearing from God. It, it this week knocked me out. Uh, third, I want to give some suggestions about the right atmosphere that I think will be helpful. And fourth, we're going to do real quick at the end, I'm going to tease what I'm going to begin to talk about next week. And I'm going to give a what I think might be the key, but it is at least a key habit in establishing the right atmosphere. Again, this will be a teaser. So let's start. Number one, the Bible is clear that the primary barrier to hearing from God is sin. Listen to what Isaiah said about uh, his dialogue with God in Isaiah 59, 1 and 2. Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. And then what may be the scariest verse in the Bible. But your iniquities have separated you from God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear you. It may be the case that God doesn't answer all prayer. If we are bogged in sin, he will not hear us. Jesus understood this. That's why when the disciples asked him to teach them to pray, he gave them, you know this, he gave them a model prayer. It basically has five phrases in it, and one of those phrases, one of five, is confession. One-fifth of the prayer is about confession. Look at this, Matthew 6, 9 through 13, Father in heaven, praise, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. This is surrender. Give us today our daily bread. Simple request. And then forgive us our debts or our transgressions, our shortcomings, as we also have forgiven our debtors. Confession. Lead us not to temptation. Then protection. And notice the confession there is aimed at complete internal cleanness. This is both vertical and horizontal cleanness. Forgive us, Lord. As we forgive others, we must keep the auditory pathway clear in order to be able to hear God. And that's what confession does. If you've got ongoing sin patterns in your life, like judgmentalism or, or uh, materialism or uh, lust or envy, etc., or if there are idols in your life that are competing for your attention, competing for center stage in your heart, like your career or a significant relationship or perfect children or being perfect yourself, these will act as barriers to your dialogue with God. You will walk through your relationship with God and miss most of what he's saying and doing. Now, many of you, I know this is not news for you, you're well, of the, you're well aware of the problem that sin can cause in your connection with God. So let me be clear. This morning, I'm not saying this to make us feel guilty. I'm telling us this to remind us that there's hope. The problem is not vague or mystical. It's very practical, and there is a remedy. If we confess our sins, Jesus' best friend John said in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He will clear out the auditory pathway. He will clear away the debris. The primary impediment to our hearing from God is sin, but there is a remedy. So that's why in your program, and I hope you picked up a program on your way in, I've given you this week a suggested confession exercise. 
I want to encourage you to take 20 or 30 minutes sometime this week, at least once, and do this confession exercise or do one of your own making. Spend some time clearing the deck, clearing the auditory pathway. All right, second, this is the part that was the most thrilling to me. I want to give a surprising truth related to this business of building the right atmosphere. So I've been thinking about this series of conversations for weeks, and I've especially been noodling on this idea of how to build the right atmosphere, and I've been collecting thoughts, and I've had thoughts about this based on biblical incidences, and I've tried to organize some biblical incidences at one point, plus, you know, things that I've been collecting from reading from others, and then this past week, God completely surprised me, and he changed the course of uh, my thinking, redirected a little bit of this, what I was going to say this morning. Uh, Set this up. Let me start by saying it's been helpful for me to organize incidences of hearing from God into two categories. Now, as I say this, I I want you to know this is completely artificial. I'm making this up. But I think it's, it's helpful to think about, even though it's not really a biblical designation. What I mean by that is Biblical authors don't organize it this way. Usually they're just telling these incidences testimonially. But uh, it's not unbiblical. I just think it's abiblical. But it seems to me it's, it's helpful. Two categories of hearing from God. On the one hand, there are, and this is throughout our lives, throughout Scripture, there are clear, uh, profound, and very definite words from God. And then on the other hand, there are words from God that are, that are impressions or insights, often of a more general nature. So for the first category, for the clear, definite words, many examples, but I think in particular of Saul as an example. Some of you know this story. It's recorded in Acts chapter 9. Saul was a Pharisee. He was an enemy of the movement of Jesus. He was on his way, in fact, to Damascus to kill, hunt down, arrest, and kill Christians, literally. And then along the road, Saul heard the voice of Jesus. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It was the voice of Jesus. It was clear. It was dramatic. It was an arresting encounter with with God's voice. And it changed the entire direction of Saul's life. There are many biblical examples in, in this category. By the way, there are quite a few examples from our congregation as well. Uh, last Sunday, someone came up to me after the service last Sunday, uh, just kind of got it stirred in their mind and heart based on our conversation here. And uh, he told me about an incident from his life, and I asked him to send me an email. This is what I got from him. In, in 2000, I was driving to meet my family at a lake. The, the family went on ahead as I had to finish work. It was after midnight, and I was driving on a two-lane road. I was passing through an intersection, noticed a truck and a boat trailer sitting under a dim street light at a closed-down garage with their hazard lights on. As I drove by, I heard distinctly in my head, you know them. I remember saying out loud, What? Then I heard louder this time, you know them. I didn't recognize the truck or the boat. But I slowed down, turned around, drove back, pulled up to the passenger side door, and then recognized it was a friend of mine with his wife and two young children. I just started laughing as the wife shrieked in fear. She must have thought, who is this crazy man laughing at us in the middle of the night? 
My friend rolled the window down and started laughing as well. He had a flat tire on his boat trailer and no spare. I told him to unhook the boat and we might have a spare at the house that would fit. Our house was just 10 minutes away. He said he couldn't leave his brand new boat on the side. He'd risk his wife and children, but would not leave his brand new boat on the side of the road without locking it, and he didn't have a lock. I laughed again. The wife shrieked again. (laughs) I lifted up a package of padlocks that I had just purchased and said, you need one of these? We locked the boat, went to the house, found a spare. They were on their way. He didn't tell me this part. And then he told me years later, they had prayed for a miracle that night, and God heard them. Again, this is dramatic, it's clear, it's in the dramatic, clear, definite category. And throughout human history, God has spoken this way. There are countless testimonies. A few of you have them. Now, before I address the impressions and insights category, let me offer the surprising truth I realized this week. Don't don't miss this. For me, I don't know, this was mind-blowing. Concerning this dramatic, clear, definite voice of God, There are no prerequisites to hearing from him. There is no right atmosphere. In fact, there's nothing we can do. God speaks this way to whomever, whenever, and however he wants. He is God after all. I mean, in the Genesis account, in the book of Genesis, God gave a dream to the very pagan Pharaoh of Egypt. It had to be interpreted by Joseph, yes, but that dream was from God, and it saved his country and many throughout the Middle East. God spoke to Pharaoh. Pharaoh wasn't praying. He wasn't seeking God. He didn't even know anything about God, but God spoke. In the case of Saul, Saul wasn't even a believer. He wasn't praying. He wasn't listening to worship music. He was on his way to kill Christians, and yet God spoke. God spoke. I read an account this week from a prayer bulletin that I get regularly that encourages prayer for the persecuted church around the world. It told the story of a young Muslim woman. She had lost her entire family and her faith. She was depressed and very bitter, and in the process of both becoming an atheist and joining the Kurdish militia. She didn't care if she lived or died. She just wanted to punish those that she considered responsible for her family's death. As a a last-ditched effort, she told God she would give him seven days to speak. If he didn't make himself clear to her somehow, she would abandon her Muslim faith and become a full-time killer, her words. On the night of the sixth day, she had a dream. Jesus appeared in her dream. She had no concept of who Jesus was, by the way. Jesus told her he loved her, and he was working everything out. He told her to trust him. She gave her heart to Jesus and became a follower as best she knew how. It was a year before she saw her first Bible. And when she saw her first Bible, she couldn't believe that there were others who had had the same experience she had had. God speaks dramatically and clearly to whomever and however he wants, whenever. Now, those encounters seem to be infrequent, but they happen. Throughout human history, they happen because he's God and his purposes are served. Then there's this other category. The times when God leads with a gentle whisper. 
the times when he impresses something on our minds or our hearts, a thought, a strong sense of leading, an insight. You've gotten those about your children if you have them. You've gotten them about business. You've gotten them about a certain direction you should take. Sometimes you've taken credit for them yourselves because you don't have your prescription hearing aids on. You're not attuned to the voice of God. Uh, the old uh, doc, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, a famous preacher from earlier in the last century, put it this way, God sometimes answers directly in our spirit. The Old Testament prophet once said, I will watch and see what he will say in me. Lloyd-Jones adds, that is, God speaks to me by speaking in me. He can so lay something upon my mind that, there are, that we are certain of the answer. He can impress something upon my, our spirits in an unmistakable manner. We find ourselves unable to get away from an impression that's on our mind or heart. We try to rid ourselves of it, but back it comes. So does God answer at times. This is what I think the prophet Isaiah is getting at in the verse I read at the beginning today. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, no matter which way you're going, your, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. In other words, there'll be this gentle nudging, hey, hey, that's good, or no, you're going the wrong way. Let's redirect and go this way. After last week, Diane and I were talking, my wife, and she remembered a time when God spoke gently into her spirit on behalf of someone else. She was spending time with one of Northern Virginia's perfectionists. There are many of you. You are extremely high performers. The rest of us applaud you because you do most of the work and you do it very well. Of course, you drive yourself crazy. Sometimes you drive us crazy. Anyway, into the stress and incredible angst of this woman's heart, Diane sensed and then said out loud, you know, it's not what God wants from you. It's what he wants for you. Uh, that word was a clear impression. It was a nudge in Diane's heart, but a powerful one. And that nudge has lived with Diane and me for years, by the way. I, I, I've used that specific word to counsel people and myself many times. And this, this nudging, this impressing, this something upon my mind, as Lloyd-Jones said, is what's suggested by the whole idea of a relationship with God. It is a relationship that he's inviting us into. And we will miss it if we're not tuned in, if our ears are not clear. You know, Jesus was building right on top of this kind of dialogue relationship when he gave his teaching on prayer. I want you to listen to what he said right before he gave the model prayer. And when you pray, don't pray like hypocrites. They love to pray standing in synagogues, in the street corners, be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you pray, listen, go into your room, close the door, pray to your father who's, uh, who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. In other words, don't be like them. Don't, don't make a show of this. Don't, don't just talk to him. Just go into your closet, into a secret place, have a conversation. Talk with him. Earlier, Jesus had said, in the same sermon, Jesus had said, ask, it'll be given. Seek, you'll find. Knock, the door will be open. With this category, with this, with this ongoing uh, dialogue with God category, with, with, with 
where impressions are giving and insights happen. He speaks gently to our spirits. With this category, there is certainly an atmosphere that must be maintained. We will walk right past the gentle nudges. We will miss the directions he offers, the quiet whisper that nourishes us and encourages us. We will miss God speaking in our spirit, as Dr. Lloyd-Jones put it. We will miss it if we do not get our prescription hearing aids and keep them on, if we do not establish and maintain the right atmosphere. So, third, what is the right atmosphere that uh, fosters this kind of ongoing dialogue relationship? Uh, what, what's the atmosphere that allows us to hear God's nudges? I'm going to mention four key elements this morning that are consistent in Scripture. You may have another one or two that have worked for you. Four key elements. Number one, hearing from God requires an uncluttered atmosphere. If my desk is too cluttered, I can't find what's important. If my life is too cluttered, I will not hear God's whisper. And the Bible consistently talks about two clutterers. So an uncluttered life, two clutterers. The first one we've already mentioned, sin. The primary impediment to our hearing from God. Uh, this is the, the primary thing that impedes that, that gentle voice. The second dangerous clutterer is our alternative agenda. Think of those times when you are praying like this, your hands so tightly clinging to what you're convinced is right for you. You can't hear. You cannot and will not imagine the alternative. This becomes an impediment to hearing from, from, from God for what he might be saying into the circumstance because you're already certain. You know what? Uh, social scientists have learned from long-term happiness studies. We've talked about this before at Gateway. They've done fascinating long-term happiness studies, and they come out with uh, conclusions that are strikingly, shockingly biblical. One of the things that they've learned, they've learned that our current selves, and this is the language of social scientists, our current selves are not good at knowing what our future selves will be happy about. So we're, we're often investing heavily in things now that just don't matter to us 10 years from now. Let go. Let go of those alternate agendas. That's why Jesus teaches us at the very beginning, your kingdom come, your will be done. This is a constant reminder that what we really want is what he wants because he knows what we really want. I'm going to say that again. <laughs> what we really want is what he wants because he knows what we really want. Dallas Willard lists 11 habits that help us hear from God. And I've given uh, Dallas Willard's book as one of the resources today in your program. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about some of those habits in the coming weeks. That's what the next three weeks will be about, uh, methods of hearing from him. But one of those habits is what he calls, listen to this, indifference. He says whenever he faces a decision of any kind, it's helpful for him to get himself to a place where he's not emotionally attached to any option. He is indifferent, knowing that because he's in Christ, he will be covered no matter what happens, and that allows him the freedom that clears the airways. It allows him the freedom of hearing from God. No alternate agendas. 
Our agenda can often be a clutterer, prevents us from hearing God's whisper. So, how do I know if what I'm praying is just me speaking my desire, which God wants to hear, or is me clinging on to my agenda? Good luck with that one. I don't have an answer for you. Uh, but I know if you're asking that question seriously, you're in a good place. That's part of the core work of our entire spiritual lives. Welcome to the rest of your life. We should always be examine our, examining our hearts. No progress is made in the spiritual life without a soft-hearted repentance, without being aware of our shortcomings. So part of our part, so our part is, is to be constantly aware of when we might be clinging too tightly, examining our, our hands for marks of strain and, and our hearts for alternate agendas and clinging, an uncluttered atmosphere. Secondly, we won't spend as much time on the next three, a dependent atmosphere. And we're using the word dependent there intentionally, but I'm using it as virtually a synonym for, uh, for faith because that's how the Bible uses it. A dependent atmosphere is is necessary for hearing from God. We build a relationship with God through our dependence on Him. And hearing from Him is fed by our dependence. That's our part. He's done all of the hard work. We simply depend. Yeah, some of you know Ephesians 2.8. It's by grace you've been saved. It's God's work. It's by grace you have been saved. Through faith. But it's the gift of God not of yourself. Faith is, by that he means trust. He means release. He means dependence. That's our job. This is why, I love this, Pete Gregg, his observation is so profound. Listen to this. Gregg said, hearing from God is relational rather than technical. It's not about knowing the right steps. It's not about the right technique. It's not about performing the right ritual. Hearing from God is about trusting the right person. It's about dependence on Him. That's why we sing so many songs about surrender here at Gateway. And we're, we're rehearsing the, the core of our spiritual lives. Hearing from God is fed by an atmosphere of dependence. Third, hearing from God is enhanced by an atmosphere of deep desire. We might even say desperation. This is what Jesus was getting at when he said, blessed are those, you're in the right place. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. You're in the right place if you're desperate for God and for him to move for his solution. And this was part of what he was getting at with the story about the persistent widow. I'm going to read this real quickly. This is uh, Luke 18, 1 through 7. And we're not going to analyze this except to make... Uh, one side point that Jesus is obviously getting at in this. Let's uh, do some spiritual aerobics, go old school and stand out of reverence for this part of God's word for a moment. This is a story from Jesus. And Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. 
He's trying to set up as bad a fellow as he can. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care about people, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her continuing to come. The Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says, and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? You may be seated. Uh, this woman was determined to see justice done. She was desperate. And this was Jesus' example of the conditions which move God's heart. The old Pentecostal evangelist Leonard Ravenhill once said, God doesn't answer prayer. He answers desperate prayer. Engaging in relational dialogue with God and hearing his gentle whisper requires an uncluttered atmosphere. It is fed by an atmosphere of dependence and it is enhanced by an atmosphere of deep desire. Finally, fourth, we hear from God most consistently in an atmosphere of rest. Now that's bad news for suburban northern Virginians, but it is the truth. We can schedule ourselves right out of a relationship with God. We can schedule ourselves so that we simply don't have time for him. Now, he's never in a hurry. He's never in our worries. He's always with us, but he doesn't participate in those environments. The prophet Isaiah put it like this. He said, in repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength, but you would have none of it. We hear from God most consistently in an atmosphere of rest. That's why Christians talk so much. Saints over the centuries talk so much about quiet and, and still. Be still and know that I am God. And that's why I want to end today with a single recommendation. Uh, this is just a teaser for what we're going to talk about next week. We've said a lot of stuff today, I think important stuff, but all of this has to become practical for us or it won't make any difference. And in making it practical, well, if you miss everything else, don't miss this recommendation. Uh, again, consider this a teaser. We'll talk about it next week, but I, I want to recommend one life habit that I think is... Uh, at the center of this entire exercise, the entire business. The whole business of growing a dialogue relationship with God is very well supported by one habit, Sabbath keeping. And by Sabbath keeping, I mean identifying one day a week and setting it apart as a day for yourself and for God. It's a, a, a day of rest, a day of reflection, a day of fun. If you have this habit, you are in full agreement with me. The rest of you are thinking, what? There's, there's no way I can do this. You can't mean literally. And by the way, I am talking literally. This is a life-changing, life-saving habit, and it's not something that God wants from you it's what he wants for you. You see how I did that? Now, we're going to talk about that at the beginning next week. We'll spend a few minutes. We're, we're going to go on to methods of hearing from God. 
But I'm going to drill down on this Sabbath-keeping business because it is critically, critically important. Uh, it's one of the 12 best habits to live by. Remember the, I'm sorry, the 10 best habits to live by. Remember the 10 commandments? Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Set it apart. Don't forget this one. This is a big one, people. Uh, we'll talk about it next week. It, it, is, it establishes a rhythm within us that helps us hear from God. If nothing else, there's a day set aside where we've got time and space to reflect and to hear from him. It doesn't mean go to church all day. We'll talk about that more next week. So I want you to spend time this week. Think about uh, drilling down on the confession exercise. And I want you to begin to think about how you might do some Sabbath planning just for the month of November. We'll just try it, for the, especially for those of us for whom this is a fairly new idea or a new habit. And I'll give you an exercise next week um, after our comments to help us build a Sabbath plan just for the month of November. We will, again, we will try it. Okay, I want us to engage in a uh, reflection exercise, a prayer exercise right now, if we would, for a few minutes. So stand with me. Okay, in a second, I'm going to have you close your eyes, and we're going, to, uh, we're going to do what Jordan suggested a minute ago. We're going to use our hands. We're going to use our bodies to, to help us get in a, a space and a, a place of hearing from him this morning, right now, in public, all together. So I'm going to ask you to close your eyes, and then when you close your eyes, I'm telling you this in advance so you can be prepared. When you close your eyes, I want you to use your body as best you can. That will mean I want you to get comfortable. But I also want it to be uh, a little arresting, a little bit different, a little bit at attention. So that might be standing. It might be uh, sitting really straight and all the way back in your chair. Or it might be sitting up on the edge of your chair. I don't care. I just want you to get into a place where you can spend a couple of minutes and be arrested, but rested. Uh, and then I'm going to have you hold your hands out. So let's close our eyes and uh, find your posture. Again, it may be seated, maybe standing. Um, I, I would suggest some might want to sit on the floor, but not good space here. But if you want to, you certainly can. Now let's hold our hands out. We're going to use our hearts and minds and imagination here for a moment. And what I want you to do, this, will not, this part, first part will not be hard. I want you to identify the three or four most pressing worries, most pressing concerns for you right now, physical, financial, family, work project, to-do list, Identify the three or four most pressing concerns. They're on your mind. In a case or two, you might have to wait to find them, but identify them. Name them. don't have to order them, but name them. Okay, now I want you to place those worries 
literally place those worries, see yourself placing them in your open hands. Place each worry in your hand. Know where it is on your hand. Place it. Feel the weight of it. Hold them for a moment. Now I want you to see Jesus. He's beside you. He's in front of you. And now his hands are outstretched under yours. See him. His hands below yours. His hands are strong. Now I want you to turn your hands over and release your worries and your concerns as they fall into his hands. He's got them. Let them go. You might want to thank him. He's got everybody else's as well. Now turn your hands back up. They're empty. And what you, in your own heart and mind now, ask God to fill them with what he has for you today. Fill our hands, Lord Jesus. Give us, Lord, what you want for us today. What is it, Lord, for each one of us? program, there is a, a, what do you call it, a chart, thank you, it's got two categories, uh, release and, and, and fill category, and I want you to write out, this is just for you, you don't want to show this to others, I want you to write out some of the things you released, and I want you to write in some of what God filled your hands with uh, this morning. As you're doing so, I want to invite you to come and participate in the Table of Mercy today. There are four spots. There are two possible lines at each place. You come and take the bread of his body broken for you. And then take the cup of his blood shed for the forgiveness of your sins. And take that back to your seat. Say a prayer and participate. Eat his body, drink his blood. We'll dismiss in a little while. You've got a few minutes. I want you to write out what you can. You can finish this later at home or uh, 
after you leave here. And I also want you to come. So as you feel ready, come this morning. Jesus, thank you so much for welcoming us to your table. Uh, We're so thankful that you're with us and we're thankful for what you give us. It's not what you want from us, but what you want for us. We hear you. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's do some work for the next few minutes. The team will, will lead us in a time of reflection, but you do your own reflecting. And uh, write if you need to, and then come participate in the meal.